This morning, uh, we're going to focus very closely on a certain word, and you kind of, um, you alluded to it in Sunday school as you studied. Uh, What church did you study in Sunday school? Pergamum? Okay, and we had issues there. We'll get there, Uh, but let me kind of remind you as we... As we jump in, you want to turn to Ephesians chapter 3, uh, and you can just stick your thumb on that spot. We're going to camp out there, and we'll come back to it at the end of the message. I'll uh, quote a few other passages as we go along the way. You can listen to those, but uh, we will look intently at Ephesians chapter 3 as we take the next step together. Remember week one as we began this study, we talked about uh, the purpose of the church, to glorify God, make disciples and to bless the community. And the next week we discuss Christ's plan for the church as we are obedient in selflessly loving one another and seeking after His kingdom while He continues to direct our steps. And then last week we were reminded that there's no reason for us to be anxious. Regardless of the challenges that we face in this world, we can enter the future with confidence because Christ's presence changes everything. And His presence is sustaining for us in our life. It makes all the difference. Uh, So today, as we take that next step, uh, you studied uh, the words of Jesus to the church at Pergamum, like you just said. And they struggled with false teaching, did they not? Uh, And they were reminded through your study this morning to remain close to the true authority, to Jesus Christ and the power of His Word So today I want to just take the next few moments to discuss how we can lock into that power, the power of Christ, and once we do lock into that power, how it affects our lives. So today I want to share with you three observations of the power of God in our lives. Before we do that, and before we look at Ephesians 3, I want to pray for us. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you would speak to us through your word. And I know there's a lot going on. There's food getting ready. We're anticipating the next step and what all we have to do. Some of us are struggling. Our minds are distracted with something else personal that we're dealing with. But Father, right now I pray that you would clear our minds and that you would speak to our hearts and that we would listen and obey. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Uh, Three observations on the power of God. Number one, we're going to jump right in. Number one, the moment you begin to do what God told you to do. Remember we talked about that, right? Obedience and following God is about when He tells us to do something, you're supposed to what? Do it. Do it. So the moment you begin to do what He told you to do, His power, Christ's power, is indispensable in your life. Now, you think, oh, obviously, but then why don't you live that way, okay? The moment you begin to follow God and to obey God, The power of God is indispensable in your life, meaning you have the power of the Savior of the world, the creator of the earth. Let's read Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that Father, that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power, through His Spirit in your being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height 
and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now I'm going to create. I'm going to do the biggest mistake that I, I just. It's my pet peeve when pastors preach. Okay, I'm going to do it though. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. Let's stop. I hate it when pastors stop right in the middle of a sentence, but we're going to do it. That power at work within us is incredible. The all-powerful Creator wants to allow His power to flow through you into the world around you. As we study these churches in Revelation, we see that their problems became an opportunity for Christ to put His power on display. We see their weaknesses, they're very apparent, and we shame shame on them, don't we? Well, they had this problem, let's thumb our nose at them. But we see that opportunity for Christ to work in and through their weaknesses. Unfortunately, though, we allow our circumstances, I'm talking about you, I'm talking about me, we allow our circumstances, our shortcomings to dictate our actions, do we not? You ever been presented with an opportunity and you think, I can't do that because I'm not gifted, I'm not talented, I'm not strong enough, I'm not capable of doing it. We allow our circumstances and our shortcomings to dictate our actions when in reality we have the opportunity to showcase God's power working through us through an ordinary group of people who believe that with God all things are possible. Do you guys believe that? Do you believe that with God all things are possible? And God's power wants to flow through you. So when you're presented with an opportunity, do you jump at it? Regardless of your shortcomings. Because Christ is going to make up the difference in your life. We say that God is almighty. Christians, don't we? We believe in an almighty, all-powerful God. But in reality, my friends, we're not attempting anything that only God can do. Right? You go about your daily walk. And you accomplish feats that you can accomplish, right? I'm a list person. You guys know that. And I like to create lists and check them off. Uh, my friends think I'm crazy and they laugh at me at times. Because I'll come to work and I'll get distracted and I won't accomplish anything on my list. And I feel like I wasn't productive that day. And Preston reminds me, you worked hard today. It just wasn't what you thought you were going to do. But you put things on your list that you can accomplish. What if God's asking you to do something that you can't accomplish on your own? But he wants his power to flow through you to accomplish the impossible. Are you willing to do it? Be real frank with you. And I don't, I don't like to do this, um, but I'm going to. Um, sometimes God puts you in an uncomfortable position. And so I'm going to share that discomfort with you. Uh, over the last eight, nine months, uh, I've been placed in a position uh, that uh, has been impossible. I've been placed in a position to where I was not expected to be in and given uh, leadership in an area that I did not know if I could lead in. Now, ideally, eventually, I thought one day I would, I would lead a church and serve as a lead pastor, senior pastor. 
uh, but not now. But let me tell you something. Waking up every day and accomplishing exactly what God has called you to accomplish for that day is incredible. And if you're obedient and you trust in God, He will give you the strength and the power to do what you need to do. And I've learned that every day. Every day. I am not worthy. I'm not equipped to lead this church. I'm not worthy enough to stand behind this pulpit. I only do so because I'm willing to fall before my Savior and trust that He has all the power and the strength to accomplish anything through me. Guys, I'm messed up. Spend some time with me. You'll figure it out. But I'm willing to do what God's calling me to do. And if we do that together, he's going to make, do an incredible work. He's more than enough. Christ is more than enough. I've spent the last nine months being obedient to what God is calling me to do. And he's blessed me. And let me tell you something. I've had more fun than I've ever had in my life. It's been more of a joy and a pleasure to serve alongside you guys. And it's not me. It's Christ's power working through us together. Together. Guys, if we would only open our eyes to see the power that's available to us, we'll experience revival in our communities. Guys, I've, I've experienced revival in my heart over these last few months. And if only we would open our eyes and see what's in front of us and see the power of God that wants to flow through you, you would experience incredible revival in your life and in your family and in your neighborhood. The moment you do what God tells you to do, His power is indispensable to you. That's a promise from the Word of God. Number two. Number two, you're thinking, okay, well, how does it happen? How do we see God's power in our life? God's power is, number two, most often seen in the ordinary moments of your life. God's power is most, most often seen in the ordinary moments of your life. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27, 28 tells us, But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are. I feel that's talking about me. What about you? Often we long for spectacular displays of God's infinite power in our lives. We wish God would come down and immediately, miraculously remove all of our problems. Or send us an enormous gift to take care of our troubles. Do we not? But most often, my friends, most often God's power is experienced through the steady grind of our ordinary living as we faithfully obey the last thing God told us to do. All God is telling you to do is obey one thing. What is God telling you to do right now? You do it. He'll give you the strength to do it, and then you'll worry about what's next later. It's in those ordinary moments of everyday life when you experience the incredible power of God, when you faithfully obey Him. Read the Word of God cover to cover. Who does God work through? 
What kind of situations are they in? People are messed up, aren't they? They have problems. They have struggles. But God works in the everyday, ordinary situations to do incredible things. My friends, daily obedience precedes generational shifts in society. We look at our world around us and we cannot believe we're living in the world that we're living in. We don't understand how in the world we come to where we are now. But in order for change to happen, it takes daily obedience on the part of every Christian. And slowly that shift will take place. Honoring God in your daily walk can transform your own life, your family, and your community. If we only would rally together under the umbrella of Scripture and walk in obedience to God's command, we would then take ground for the gospel. But it's, it's simple, guys. In the everyday, ordinary moments, do exactly what God's Word tells you to do. So when you wake up tomorrow, and whatever task is ahead for you tomorrow, follow God's Word and be obedient to what God's telling you to do, regardless of the outcome, and you'll see God's power. I promise you. You will see God's power in and through your life. So the moment we obey God, His power is indispensable, okay? We'll see that power in the everyday moments of life. We're not looking for the angel to come talk to us. We're looking for, okay, what's on my list today, God, and how do you want to use me to do something great? Be obedient in your list and in your task, and God will move in a mighty way. And number three, when that happens, okay, in those ordinary moments, when you resolve yourself, I'm going to let God's power flow through me and do something incredible. When you do that, opposition is going to rise. You have to be prepared to receive a host of reasons why it will be too difficult. People are going to speak up and say, you know what, there's no way this can happen. You can't do this, you can't accomplish this, it doesn't make sense. God's power is not enough. You have those whispers in your mind. You've got to be ready, and you've got to be ready to fight against them. Y'all remember in the book of Daniel, something happens significant. Do y'all know what happens in the book of Daniel? We, we've got, we've got this, this big idol, and everyone is instructed to, to bow before the idol, and we have three dudes that are like, no, I'm not going to do it. And what happens to those guys? We've got a big fiery furnace. We know this story, right? Children's ministry teaches it well. Daniel chapter 3 tells us, those guys, when faced with that opportunity, with that confrontation, they have a choice. Are we going to bow before these idols? Or are we going to remain true to our God? And this is how they respond. Our God, who we serve, is able. The God that I believe in is able. Do you believe in a God that's able? And then they said, and he will save us. Those men said, our God is able and he will save. But then they took it another step. And then what did they say next? But even if he doesn't, we're going to remain faithful to our God. You see, we're going to face opposition in our life. The question you have to answer is, do you believe in a God who is able? 
Do you believe in a God who will save and will give you the power? Do you trust in him enough that even if he doesn't, you're going to be faithful and true to him? See, God is pleased by faith, not self-sufficiency. If our church is going to please God, we have to walk by faith, plain and simple. Historically, hmm, historically, we look at our past and we become frustrated with our children who grew up attending church and then they left and they didn't come back. Anyone thought this? Wonder where those kids are? Why did they leave? Why aren't they here? They're not here because many of them never experienced the power of God in this church. My friends, we've spent way too much time focusing what we could or could not do. We play it safe. We devote our attention to sound investments, rational thinking, and operate under the general guidelines established by humanity. We have a list of rules that we follow, do we not? We balance the budget. We make decisions that make sense. And we factor God out of the equation. Maybe. Instead, we should watch God's powerful working in our midst. Maybe whenever we recognize God at work in us and through us, we should join Him and we should run the race. It's risky. But read Scripture. Is that not what God's calling us to do? My friends, our children don't believe in God because we have not provided a God for them to believe in. Do we want our kids to see the power of God working in and through us? Then we have to step out in faith and trust that He's going to provide instead of making decisions that only make sense to us. Instead of doing things the way they've always been done. It's risky, and it's scary, but God is able. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 in the New Living tells us, For the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. <laughs> we like to do that, don't we? We like to talk about it. The kingdom of God is living by God's power, working in and through us. 1 Timothy chapter 1 tells us, For God has not given us a spirit of fear. It's scary, isn't it, when we step out on faith? But God hasn't given us that spirit of fear, but He's given us a spirit of power, of love, and self-discipline. Hebrews 4 tells us, y'all know this, the Word of God is what? Living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The Word of God is what we need. The Word of God is more than able to provide direction and guidance in our lives. We understand the truth of the Word of God, but when there's a conflict between culture and the Word of God, what do we do? Do
Do we buckle under the pressure of conformity and become passive to relativism in your truth, in my truth, in his truth, in her truth? Or will we stand firm on the foundation of Scripture and take up arms against the evil of this world? My friends, we must speak the truth. We must intercede for the lost. And we must advocate for the helpless. No ifs, ands, or buts about it, my friends. Understand my words and listen closely. My friends, we're not called... Okay, social media has been wild this week with issues that we've struggled with. And it's no coincidence that it was uh, Sanctity of Human Life Day, week, whatever you want to say. But it's everywhere. And I've seen, like no other time, a call to arms from Christians. Well, it has happened in the past because I've seen it, or you can watch documentaries on it. But you see the call to arms, and you see the hatred and the anger rise. And it's, it's justifiably so, because there's so many helpless that are not spoken for. But my friends, I love you. So I'm going to speak the truth to you this morning, okay? We're part of the problem. We're part of the problem. We are not called to protest. We are not called to picket. We are not called to attack those who are wrong or sinful. That's not who we are. We are not to bully. We are not to force our opinion on the world around us, the world that's living under the order established in the garden. Do you understand what happened in the garden? Do you understand that sin entered the world and we're fighting a battle with sin and evil and darkness. We're not fighting a battle against each other. In the end, that's what happens. We fight with each other, but we're not fighting each other. We're fighting sin and darkness. Now, there's a world around us that's living under that order of sin and darkness. And we're fighting against not people, but that issue, that sin issue. Guys, we can't convince someone else to believe what we believe. That's not our job. Our calling as Christians is to be obedient to the call of God on our every believer. Our call as Christians is to love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength. And then we are to love our neighbor. Our call is to love God and love other people. And as we demonstrate the love of the Father to the watching world... We will provide an opportunity for others to enter a relationship with the Savior. You see, my friends, the answer is not hatred, but it's the love of Jesus. And the love of Jesus will transform the hardest of hearts. So we can put pictures up and crucify governors and legislators and senators and advocates. And we can talk about how evil and how wicked they are. But the only way to change anything is to pray for them and to love them. And the love of God can change that hard heart. Look at Scripture. My friends, it's time for the church to take its rightful place as the beacon of hope and the light of the world. 
We must stand for truth. And it must be displayed in all that we do. God is more than able. You see, we've we've misrepresented the issue, and we get caught in a debate about something because it's a women's right, and we love rights, and we want everyone to have a right to something. But we need to understand something. The issue that we're dealing with today is a result of sin. And we try to deal with a sin issue by creating another issue. You understand what I'm saying? Adam did the same thing. Well, who gave you that fruit? Uh, she did. That's all that's happening here, guys. Marital relations are there for a reason. And when you take that outside the context of God's creation, you have complications. Do you understand that? Single parents, diseases, things happen as a result of that. Instead of dealing with the sin issue, we try to take care of everything else. Well, let's abort the baby. Let's give you medicine to treat the drug. Let's deal with the sin issue and take care of all the other problems. You understand what I'm saying? It's a love issue. And we need to let Jesus do that. Now, in order for us to do that, we have to resolve ourselves to make a decision. Because this is one of the biggest problems we have as Christians. Is we're pro-life. But when we see a lady walk in the door that's not married and she's pregnant, How dare you look down on her? That young lady needs love and support like no other person in their life at that moment. And we have got to surround them with the love of Jesus and let Christ transform their heart and their life. Turning them away is part of the problem. We are called to love God and to love others. And daily obedience in that is going to shift our generation back toward Christ. God's power is more than able to do anything through us. But we have to resolve ourselves in the everyday ordinary moments to stand for Him. It's time for us to take its rightful place. As the beacon of hope and light of the world, we must stand for truth and we must display it in all that we do. Otherwise, we're too weak. And we're serving a weak God who's unable to overcome the evils of the world. That's what we're saying. If we're not willing to stand up for truth, we're saying, you know what? I'm worshiping a God that's not really strong enough to do anything. He's not really able to overcome anything. That's what we're telling the world around us. Martin Seligman's research in the 60s, and if you're animal lovers, I apologize. He did some studies on learned helplessness. And even though uh, you'll see the issue coming up, 
It's, it's widely respected among psychologists, even if it's different kind of research. Seligman and his team, he, that what they did was they put a dog in a cage, and then they rigged the cage to receive electric shock. Can you follow me? When they hit the cage with a jolt of electricity, the dog jumped and yelped as they expected it to do. They waited a few minutes, and then they did it again. And the dog jumped and yelped, just as expected. But here's what happened. After they did that several times over, something strange took place. The dog responded less and less as he was hardened to the impact of the shock. So the researchers did something else. They took it a step further. They opened the door of the cage, and then they shocked the dog again. Their hypothesis was that the dog would leave the cage when it was shocked. But here's what happened. When they gave the shock, the dog stayed in the cage because he was already numb to the pain. He'd learned to live helpless and learned to live in captivity even though he was free. Well, the researchers took it a step further. And they continued their experiment by involving another dog, a dog that had never been shocked before. And as they put that dog in there, with the door open, they shocked them. And as that electricity flowed, the new dog jumped and yelped. And what did he do? He quickly ran out the door. And the first dog, seeing there was a better way, Followed to the freedom that was already his. My friends, this is simple. What I'm asking you to do today is to join me in being an agent of change. The freedom is out there. Christ has given the opportunity for everyone to experience the freedom that's only found through him. Our responsibility is to share that with the world around us. I'm asking you to follow God's direction. I'm asking you to receive His power through obedience in the ordinary moments. My friends, I'm pleading with you. Commit to the task. Lean into God's Spirit, that Spirit that's full of power, love, and self-discipline. Here's what I'm asking, guys. As we continue this journey together, Christ's power is more than able So I want you to lace up your shoes and get ready for God to move because it's almost time to run. Let me finish the verses that I was reading at the beginning. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Remember, I only read half of it. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we can ask or think according to the power at work within us, To Him be the glory in the church. To Him be the glory in the church. The glory and power of God wants to shine through this church. Are you willing to step up and run the race? And in Christ Jesus, through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. There's a generational shift coming. And let me tell you something. We can change this country right here. You don't like the way the world's going? You don't like the decisions that are being made? 
You know where the change starts? It starts with you. So are you willing, weakness and all, to let God's power flow through you to do something incredible? I'm willing. My shoes, I don't have laces, but I'm ready to run. Are you ready to run with me? Let's run this race together. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this day. Father, for your word, how incredible it is. How amazing it is that you love us so much that you sent your son to die for our sins. Not just that. Not just the fact that we have the opportunity to have life forever, but the fact that you give us your power to live. You give us your power to impact lives. You give us your power to make a difference in this world. Father, give us the resolve to do it. To stand up and do something about it. To display your love to the world around us. I pray that generational shift will begin with me. And incredible work will be done in this church. As we honor you and allow your power to flow through us. In your son's name we pray. Amen.